On this episode of the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, I speak with Matt Robb, Program Director at School on Wheels. I decided after graduation that I, I wanted to use my skills to help children that needed help the most. Mm-hmm. And so in our society, that's, that's homeless children. Welcome to the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, conversations with accomplished professionals from across the nonprofit sector about what they do, why they do it, and how they make change happen. I'm your host, Justin Waddell from nonprofitready.org and the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. And today, I'm pleased to be joined by Matt Robb, Program Director at School on Wheels, a Southern California-based nonprofit dedicated to the enhancement of educational opportunities for homeless children from kindergarten through 12th grade. As Program Director, Matt leads a small team focused on the organization's tutoring program, including tutor training, academic and career sources, and digital learning. Matt, thanks for being with us today. Welcome to the Nonprofit Ready Podcast. Thanks for having me, Justin. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, be doing this interview. And a special note, this interview is actually taking place directly at School on Wheels headquarters uh, in downtown Los Angeles. So Matt, thank you for sharing your office with us. You're welcome, of course. Awesome. Well, I want to start today's conversation by learning a little bit more about School on Wheels. Could you tell us more about the mission of the organization? So, as you said, our mission is the educational enhancement of homeless children in kindergarten through 12th grade. And our goal is to identify the gaps that homeless children often have in their education and work to fill in those gaps to help our students keep up or catch up in school. And we do that primarily through volunteer tutors who we match up one-on-one with the children in our program. And they go out to wherever the children are every week to help them with their academics. Great. And how did you get involved in School on Wheels? My background's in education. Uh I went to school for elementary education. But I knew early on that I didn't want to teach in the regular classroom. So while in college, I started uh, working for a nonprofit that worked with underprivileged children. And then upon graduation, after substitute teaching for a while, I found out about a nonprofit organization in Santa Cruz, California called uh, New Horizons School. And it's actually a nonprofit school for homeless children. And so I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I went there and I worked there for two years. And that's really where I came to understand the challenges that homeless children and homeless families face. I'm interested in your story because a lot of people discover that thing they're passionate about, but don't really know how to act upon it. Uh, What was that like when you went to New Horizons and said, you know, I want to help? Did you know what you were getting into? Did you simply have good intentions? Walk us through that experience. I can confidently say I did not know what I was getting into, but I I did have good intentions. I I decided after graduation that I, I wanted to use my skills to help children that needed help the most. Mm-hmm. And so in our society, that's that's homeless children. So when I first started at that at New Horizons, I had, and I think most people have an idea of what homelessness is, but it's very different um, with families, and it's very different from one family to the next and from one city to the next. So I, on the job, I had to learn about all of the challenges the families face and the trauma that children experience when they're in homeless situations because, as you can imagine, it's, it's pretty devastating. They don't, 
they're always constantly worried about where they're going to sleep from one night to the next. They're worried about where their next meal is going to come from. Mm -hmm. And so all of these basic needs that the children are concerned about and that in turn makes focusing on their academics not a priority and not very important to them. Mm-hmm. What was that first role at New Horizons? So I was I was a teacher in a classroom with children from kindergarten through sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a one-room schoolhouse kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And I I loved it and I think it was it was a very beneficial situation for the the children that were enrolled in that school mm-hmm. just because if they go to the public schools, um, there's a sense of normalcy there, and there's an advantage to doing that. But they can also be stigmatized, and everyone at the school knows the kids who are coming from the shelter or the kids who are living in their cars. Mm-hmm. But at the school where I taught in Santa Cruz, everyone was in a similar situation, so we were able to talk about it mm-hmm. and just have the kids express their feelings about what it's like living in the shelter, what it's like living in an RV. Mm-hmm. So just through the kids i learned a lot about mm-hmm. about what they were going through i have no doubt now you had been in education prior as a teacher when did you decide to transition outside of the classroom uh, to working in programs and in the back office of a nonprofit? Uh, pretty much before i graduated i okay. had made up my mind that i wanted to work in in the nonprofit field and not in the regular classroom mm-hmm. and that's just from an experience i had uh, working at a nonprofit while in college Mm -hmm. And I realized that that's what I wanted to do. I I wanted to try and work for organizations that were really focused on those children who needed help the most in our society. Interesting. Now, how would you describe your role at School on Wheels uh, to someone in the nonprofit sector? If someone's interested and says, you know, Matt, I'd love to learn about what you do and eventually maybe find myself in that role someday myself. Mm -hmm. What do you tell them? So as program director, I oversee all the programs that we create and give to our volunteer tutors to use with their students. Um, I also oversee much of the infrastructure of the organization. But as anyone in a nonprofit organization knows, I do a lot of other things that aren't necessarily in my job description. So I just gave you a tour of our office. We're buried in donations right now. So we all pitch in to help bring in donations to organize everything. Um, And being a small nonprofit, I sometimes become the maintenance man too. So fixing problems around here. But in general, my actual job is, is really being a leader in the organization, overseeing a team that works on works on the programs that our volunteers use, which include academic programs, uh, career programs for older students, digital learning, um, volunteer engagement. So a, a lot of those things. And then I also work with the executive director and the board on strategic planning. Mm-hmm. You're obviously wearing a lot of hats. When you first started at School on Wheels, did you have any idea what you were getting into? I, no. Again, <laughs> once again, I did not have any idea. I, I had some experience in the nonprofit before that, so I knew that, that it could be chaotic and you, you do have to do, there's a lot of crossover between jobs and a lot of overlap. But working at School on Wheels and particularly working based out of Skid Row, 
was an eye-opening experience and a unique experience. I've never experienced that kind of chaos. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I fell in love with pretty quickly, even the chaotic parts Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, I consider Skid Row my second home. I've been working down here 11 years now, and I... um, even though there are people in desperate situations down here, it is a community, and I feel like part of that community. And unfortunately, children are part of that community as well. So just seeing that, just going on a walk through Skid Row really helps helps motivate me and helps me refocus on helping the children that unfortunately have to live in these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now, what I appreciate about your story is it really shows... You know, that standard story in the nonprofit sector of someone who's moving up, they may start as a volunteer, uh, eventually they enter management. And oftentimes when they enter management, they don't have a lot of training on that. Just magically one day they become a manager. How did you deal with moving into management and making sure you are accountable to those employees and manage those conflicts appropriately? I tried to initially when I moved into managing other staff members, I just tried to model what I was doing after what I was seeing, the people who were managing me, um, my mentors, because they were great and I respected them and they were really helping me to grow into my role. So I tried to learn from them as much as possible. Uh, thinking about your mentors, uh, what lessons did you learn from them? Well, from Agnes, I really I learned how to approach every problem with a singular focus and for her that was a student and for me that's that's a student in our program obviously but she taught me that when making decisions or facing situations uh, that are challenging it can often become emotional but if you sit back and just really think about how is this going to impact the students in our program? What's best for the students? And then make decisions based on that. In the end, that's that's the way that we're going to, to improve as an organization and help more students. Catherine is just as passionate. She's the same way. Um, she taught me a lot more about the business aspect, aspect of nonprofits and how to uh, create strategic plans, how to think more broadly, and how to plan years down the road. Now, you manage both staff here at School on Wheels, and you also manage volunteers. What's the difference in how you go about uh, those two segments? A lot of it is the same, but but there are definitely differences. In both situations, I've learned that you really have to understand what is motivating the individual. So for volunteers, You have to understand why they're here. Are they here because they love kids? Are they here because they're passionate about ending homelessness? Are they here because they love education? And then learning that and trying to um, fit the volunteer position to really meet their expectations and keep them motivated. And that's that's similar with staff members. With volunteers, of course, you have to go out of your way to make sure that they feel supported and feel appreciated and thank them constantly and try and show them show them exactly the difference that they're making with the, the students that they're working with. So I think it's just a little bit more of a, a delicate situation with volunteers as opposed to uh, with staff members, but there are a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
How have you kept in touch with all of these students, and are there any success stories that really motivate you uh, as you're doing this work? Unfortunately, it's hard to keep in touch with all of them, but for me personally, there there are several students that I've kept in touch with over the years, and just continuing to see see where they are in life inspires me and uh, motivates me to keep going. We also have other bigger success stories. We had a student named Kadisha who was in our program for years and got into Harvard and just recently graduated from Harvard. We had another student named Angela who was at a homeless shelter in Glendale. She graduated high school, went to UCLA, and actually started a School on Wheels group on campus to recruit volunteers to come out and tutor our students. So just when you hear about stories like that and you have students who they they understand what we've what we did for them and in turn they want to give back and they want to do the same thing for other children and other youth um, that's that's just inspiring and that's those are the stories that keep me going when people hear about initiatives such as yours a lot of times they see the outputs they see the students with the volunteers they see the success stories they don't always see all the effort that goes into making sure that success happens. For you, on a day-to-day -day level, what are you doing? What does it look like when you come into the office, check in, and then through when you leave? It, it certainly varies from day to day, but the majority of it is meeting with my team, trying constantly reassessing what we're doing, is it working for our volunteers and for our students? Can we do anything better? And just being creative with solutions to problems and obstacles that we face. So it, it's a lot of trying to find programs that, like digital learning programs that can, can help support our volunteers, but also help the students learn better and advance and catch up in their academics. Um, but also just as a team trying to brainstorm new ways to get volunteers, to keep volunteers, and to continue to grow as an organization. Mm -hmm. You mentioned reassessing things. What's that process look like for your organization in terms of reassessing a program or initiative? So with with all things, all new programs that we try, we we start very small, and we, we, we test it thoroughly, and we look at um, the data afterwards and make sure that what we're doing is helping the students. Uh, many organizations, regardless of whether you're nonprofit or corporate, struggle in actually admitting that maybe this program is something that should be stalled or reassessed. Mm -hmm. How do you manage hurt feelings and egos with some of these programs in which people have invested a lot of time, they've hung their hat on it, and now need to say, uh, maybe we should go in a new direction? That's that's definitely difficult, and especially when we're wor working with partner organizations, other nonprofits, to try and implement programs. When it doesn't work out, there definitely can be hurt feelings. But I think for me, I always come at it and make sure that everyone involved understands it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about us, it's about the kids. It's about the students in our program. And if this isn't working, we're not going to do it. Why would we continue to use this program if it's not helping the students in our program. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that moving forward, I'm sure, as you mentioned earlier, 
is looking to strategic partnerships with other agencies and organizations. I feel like cooperation is a heavily used term in the nonprofit sector, but not often heavily implemented. Could you walk me through your approach to partnerships with other agencies and how you determine when it makes sense to collaborate? Sure. So what we do is we're very focused, and what we do is relatively narrow. We're focused on homeless children and their education. Anything outside of there, of that, we want to use other organizations that are focusing on the other needs of the families and the children in our program. So for an, an example is our children often need school uniforms to go to school, and they can't always afford them. So we partner with an organization called Operation School Bell, and they'll provide, they'll provide uniforms for our students. So we just have to go to them, tell them how many students we have, the sizes, and, and they'll provide the uniforms for us. Mm -hmm. That's something that in the past we thought about doing ourselves, but in the end, if there's another organization out there doing it, why would we duplicate services when we could spend our energy focusing on tutoring children and helping them with their education? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you look to others to help implement that collective impact. I love it. Now, Thanks. thinking about impact... The other hot topic in the nonprofit sector, right. how do you measure impact for your organization? You know, it's something that you know, I think funders continually look at um, in an increasingly uh, granular fashion uh, for right. the nonprofits that they work with. How have you responded to that in recent years, and what are you doing moving forward? So we've always been able to measure our reach, the number of students we're reaching, the number of backpacks we give out, and Everyone here and all of our volunteers, we know we're making an impact on the students. You can just see it on a daily basis when you're working with the students. But yes, as you said, more and more foundations are looking for concrete outcomes for what we're doing. Over the years, we've tried different approaches, and now we're focusing on really trying to get academic outcomes. So looking at grades, looking at test scores. But as you can imagine, that's a challenge when you have children who may go to three, four different schools over the course of the year, and they may be moving from Ventura to Long Beach while they're doing it. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're currently focused on. Um, it's very challenging, but we're hoping in the end we'll, we'll see some results. That's great. So much of this work, it seems like you're dealing with so many external variables. Uh, what's the toughest challenge you face in your job? Initially, it was very hard to get attached to students and have them be here one day and gone the next and not know where they went or where where they ended up. Over the years, we've, we've grown and we've done a lot better at tracking our students and staying with them as they move around, but it still happens. Families will just disappear and we won't know what happened. So to me... I've had to just, I've come to realize that really we just have to do the best we can with the students in front of us for as long as they're in front of us mm -hmm. and just have that faith that, that we're planting a seed, we're doing something to inspire them and help them when they move away and move out of our program. But it's still hard. <laughs> it's right. still hard when your students are, are there one day and just gone the next. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, as we uh, wrap up this interview, I want to make sure that we make some time to think about the future, uh, both for you and school on wheels. 
uh, considering your career, uh, where do you see yourself moving forward in the coming five years, coming decade? I'm, I'm, I don't think about that that much. I'm not the kind of person that uh, has a five, ten year plan for my career. Really, I want to just be continued to be doing something that's helping people, specifically children. I would love to continue to work with homeless children, and I want it to be a job that I love. And right now, that's School on Wheels, and I think it will continue to be School on Wheels. Awesome. And for School on Wheels, how do you see School on Wheels evolving in the coming years? We are continuing to grow, but at the same time, we really want to deepen our impact where we already are. So I see a big part of that being technology. Among the many, many challenges that our students face, they have there's a technological gap. And while their more privileged peers are on tablets, phones, computers most of the day, they don't have that kind of access. Mm -hmm. They don't have internet access at, at the shelters where they live. So part of what we're trying to do is advocate for shelters and for our partner organizations to get more technology. Um, but we're also, when that's not possible, we're bringing it to them. Mm -hmm. So we have the online programs that I talked about earlier. We're also doing online tutoring, and that will enable us to reach students that that are in places where we can't get volunteers to go. And that will also expand our pool of volunteers because we can have volunteers from all over the country. We already have volunteers from all over the country who tutor students here in Southern California. What advice would you give to those current nonprofit professionals who are considering options in their career, or maybe those who are just considering entering the nonprofit sector in the first place? I think I would just say find something that you're passionate about, first of all. Ideally, it's something that, that you're good at or you think you can learn to be good at. And find something that you love doing because just because you're passionate about something, if you're going to work on a day-to-day -day basis and you don't like what you're doing, that's going to demotivate you and that's not going to help the people you're trying to help in the end. Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of our listeners are quote-unquote millennials. And for millennials, you know, anything longer than two to three years in a single position, you know, they start to get that itch to move. You've been in your position for 11 years now. Could you walk us through your motivation, what's kept you here, why you stay? When I first came to School on Wheels, I wasn't planning on being here more than two to three years. I wasn't planning on living in Los Angeles for, for 11 years. I didn't, I didn't think it was, it was a city that, that was a good fit for me. But as I continued to work for School on Wheels and I saw what kind of organization it was, I saw the impact we were having on the community and I saw the need, the huge need that there is in Los Angeles and Southern California, I, I couldn't leave. And in addition to that, just the organization being such a great place to work and Catherine recognizing that and able to continue to motivate people, you look at what they're good at and you look at what they love to do and you help them do that. So she was always very open to what I saw as where I wanted to go in the organization, what I thought I could do to best help the students in our organization. So that that kept me motivated all the year, all through the years. 
And I mean, I, I love School on Wheels. I love what we do. I love everyone who works here. And I grew to love Los Angeles. But yeah, I, w- I was the same way when I started, but it, School on Wheels got me hooked. <laughs> well, for anyone listening today who wants to learn more about School on Wheels, where should they go? Schoolonwheels.org. From there, if you want to become a volunteer, you can apply right online. We always need volunteers. We love our volunteers, so consider doing it. If you're a nonprofit organization and you think that uh, it would be, we would be a good partner for you, feel free to reach out to us. And in the end, just talk about this issue because a lot of people still do not know that there are homeless children in our society. And just the more we talk about it, the more people we can get thinking about it, hopefully even volunteering or working on this issue, hopefully one day it will no longer be an issue and we'll be out of work. Amen. Matt Robb is the program director at School on Wheels. Matt, thank you so much for being with us today and giving us the opportunity to learn more about your career and the impact you and your team are having on the lives of homeless youth. And thank you for being a guest on the Nonprofit Ready Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. On the next episode of the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, I'll be joined by Mark Clark, CEO of Generations for Peace. Generations for Peace is an international NGO dedicated to peace building and conflict transformation at the grassroots level in communities in 50 countries worldwide. Mark has worked in the development sector around the world and will be speaking to us from Amman, Jordan. It promises to be a fascinating conversation, so be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And while you're there, we would love it if you would leave us an honest rating and review. Be sure to connect with us at nonprofitready.org, which includes all of our podcast interviews, some great webinars, and more than 300 online learning resources covering the most crucial job functions in the nonprofit sector, all 100% free. The Nonprofit Ready Podcast is a production of the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. I want to thank our executive producer, Alec Green, our editorial director, Jeanette Lamb, our sound producer, Trung Ngo, and most importantly, you, for helping us to build the Nonprofit Ready community. Learn more about all of the capacity building services of the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation at csodfoundation.org. Thanks again, and have a great day.